This episode of Pomcast is sponsored by Unravel, a festival of knitting held in Farnham. This year, the festival includes an extra daytime opening on Friday 20th, running from Friday 20th until the 22nd of February. You can take part in workshops, hear a range of talks, see demonstrations, be inspired by art exhibits and purchase yarn, buttons and other knitting accessories at the marketplace. Get your needles and crochet hooks out and join us for three days of knitted fun. To find out more, you can follow us on Twitter at Maltingscraft. Hello! Hello and welcome to Pomcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Magazine. I'm Sophie Scott and I'm joined by the wonderful and Happy New Year version of Lydia Gluck. Hello! Hi Sophie, how are you? I'm great. Oh, did you have a wonderful Christmas? I did. It was very Christmassy. Well, that's what I expect. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. How was yours? Beautiful. It was, well, Christmassy as you said, it was an idyllic kind of hibernation at my parents' house and lots of dog walks and knitting and excellent food and presents so yeah very christmasy those are christmas things yeah a little um, checklist of common <laughs> christmas activity i got a lot of knitting done there's a lot to be said for like not going to work or doing things and just sitting and knitting like wow it just flew off the needles <laughs> yeah i did a lot of knitting as well actually and i'd sort of forgotten how productive i can be when i have i made like a few pairs of socks i made a hat i made a whole shawl that's as well. good that's good output yeah no, it seems crazy now it's almost the end of January, but Happy New Year to everyone who's listening. Yeah. And uh, we hope that 2015 is going swimmingly. Yeah. Uh, knit-wise and otherwise. Yes. Uh, we'll be talking more about our knit-olutions and some of yours later in the podcast. Um, we've also got an interview with Erica Knight, the mm. wonderful and talented and very entertaining uh, Erica Knight. She came down and had a chat with us about knitting past and present mm-hmm. and future. Yes. Uh, she covers all the bases. <laughs> she certainly does. Um, and we're talking, uh, we've got Ravelry Realness, uh, Colour of the Cast, all our usual fun tidbits, maybe some new stuff, uh, so yeah. Yeah, and a, a top three as always Yep. To, to finish us off. Cool. So um, let's catch up with Tell and Tell, where we tell each other and you guys what we're knitting. Uh, what have you been up to? You say you've a lot of production over Christmas. Yeah, uh-huh. so I made um, a shawl, I made the Mountain Moss shawl from uh, Pom Pom Issue 5. That's gorgeous, quite a big was... shawl, good coverage I think with that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, although mine came out a little bit smaller, I'm not really sure why, because normally things I make come out bigger, but maybe I was... I don't... But I wasn't tense at all, so I don't really know what happened, but it came <laughs> out most... a good size, but yeah, like... Um... The most relaxed holiday knit, and you're there like, <laughs> oh gosh. really tense, maybe it's because I hadn't made a shawl in such a long time that I was just like concentrating loads. Um, but I love, I know a lot of people aren't keen on knit on edges because there's mm. a lot of like little rows back and forth, but then you don't have to cast off. Um. But I really like that. And I really like the way that they look. Um, it's quite so. like garter stitch central, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. With that place. That's where I, you, you've arrived with that shawl. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so I really, really enjoyed making it. What did um, you use? I used, um, an Eden Cottage yarns, like silk and wool for the Titus? It may well be, but it was a special colourway that was dyed just for the Golden Skein Yarn Club. Oh, cool, yeah. Those, it was a really beautiful blue, like a really just I'll I'll post a picture yeah. of it. If you guys need more yarn in your life, yeah. the Golden Skein, have a look at that. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so that was my main achievement. I also made a hat for my mum out of um some Elizabeth Beverly plant dyed merino which I bought at the Pom Pom oh, Christmas yeah, party. Gorgeous. In a really amazing like kind of pale like grey lilac colour mm-hmm. one of I like colours I think we share this 
um, like of colours that are kind of in between. Yeah. Where every now you know you kind of just like us we're just free spirits you can't pin us down yeah yeah i like a color i can't pin down <laughs> put so us I in made... a box we break out of that <laughs> yes yeah. box. boxes no jump out of the box um and then kick the box yeah. throw it away fold it and make it collapse it and recycle it make... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> airplane it's gone yeah anyway so that sounds great yeah. yes i made the sorrel hat from um issue 11 mm-hmm. which was delightful i really enjoyed making it and i like how textury it is i gave it a very like, I barely blocked it at all. I just yeah. gave it, like, a little steam because I liked how it was kind of 3D, almost. Ah, like that good yeah. tip. Yeah. Yes. How about you? What have you been up to? I haven't been casting on anything new because part of, a, you know, a commitment to actually finish some projects. But mm. I have been working, like, over before Christmas and over Christmas, I've been working on a, uh, a cardigan mm. for my, uh, my bow, my... My bay is that how you pronounce? I, I, I think it might be bay. But I still don't I've feel comfortable. I still don't feel comfortable <laughs> using that word, so we'll, we'll ignore that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, my Your uh, partner, my partner. Yeah, but then that seems like really grown up. I need like a middling world between boyfriend sounds like we're in primary school, and then partner sounds like we've got a mortgage. And but anyway, I we're committed enough to this gentleman that I'm ma- now making him a cardigan. I mean, even his mum acknowledged that it was like, oh, it's serious now. Like, not the fact that we're living together or anything. She's like, well, you're making him a jump, a cardigan. It is a big deal. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's been really good. I've been doing Slade, which is a Brooklyn Tweed mm-hmm. uh, cardigan by Michelle Wang. She's an excellent designer. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's just a really, like, satisfyingly simple knit. Like, it's just made me fall in love with just the really simple beauty of stocking stitch. Mm. Just, like, it's, it's all, like, knit flat. So it's just, like, so such minimal thinking and minimal shaping. I think it's kind of... Uh, yeah, the essence of knitting. I've really got into it. It's nice doing complicated, like interesting things, but it's just great. Just breeze through it. It's been so much fun. Yeah, well, sometimes you have to, I don't know, like when you look at artists like Rothko or whatever, when you have like really, really like stripped back thinking, you know, and you're often quite aware with people who make um, seemingly very simple art that they're very technically good. It's not that they can't do painting really, really well. It's Mm. that they have got themselves into a different kind of headspace where they want to create something very minimal and I think sometimes you can get that with knitting where you're like zen yeah about, that's a yeah. beautiful way of putting it how, <laughs> yes that's how I feel good we should do a podcast together yeah <laughs> yeah we should do some kind of project yeah, like. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I've really enjoyed that also I think the fact that I, my production on it's been so fast is because I've never had someone so enthusiastic for me to finish something <laughs> for them like even if I'm knitting something else you kind of get like knit jealousy like oh so um not, not my cardigan now and I was like well just you know I'm just doing this for a little break and he's like oh, oh I'd really like to wear it when you do finish it <laughs> so that's very nearly finished now it, it was wow. I mean I was roughly aiming for Christmas but then even in my heart of hearts no matter how much I knitted I knew I was, wasn't going to get enough for Christmas mm. so now I'm just finishing the neckband um, and one of the good things it's like have you seen the site Sad Etsy Boyfriends yes so <laughs> you, you, if people don't know it's quite fun to look up just pe- people who have obviously been coerced into posing for photos on Etsy as the title would suggest they look very sad and it's a very similar thing with this project for Ravelry things there's just obviously men wearing this because it's a men's jumper Mm. no there's women wearing it as well I mean why not people can wear all the things of course yeah but there's kind of a a few kind of we've gone through through a lot of the projects so to get an idea of how he wanted it to look and stuff uh, it's made a bit longer. Mm. But yeah, this sort of awkward, like, partner, boyfriend, kind of like, mm, mm. It's great one, a guy with a pipe, which I think is especially good. I think he's, he's rocking it. He's rocking yeah. the cardi. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I've been up to at the minute. Which nice. is good. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's... We've both been a bit more productive than normal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with the holiday that we've yeah, both yeah. had, I guess. Because yeah. also I find I need a lot of time to decide what to make. I've just I've discussed this before, but I think 
often when I'm very, very busy, and I'm like, I just want to knit something. And then you only have like half an hour to do knitting. And you're like, I don't know what I want to make though. And you spend yeah. the half an hour browsing Ravelry and looking at your stash and going, ah! <laughs> and so actually having time over Christmas to... And also I'd only taken a certain amount of wool back to... Swansea with me. So I only had a certain amount of wool that I could use. That's ho- holiday plan. Planning knits for holiday. That's another subject. We we'll sit, Yeah. I'm going to make a we'll mental make note a of that for later. There. We'll talk um, about it one day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that I think was quite nice because I didn't get, my brain felt less cluttered with all the millions of zillions of possibilities. You know, I just had, mm. I think I only had about three skeins of stuff with me. So I looked at that blue skein and thought, I'd like to make a shawl with this. I've always wanted to make mountain moss. Boom. Done. Whereas if I had like, you know, 10 different skeins of sock yarn, I'd be going like, which one? Um, oh God. Uh, or you're Stephen West, you just put them all into a cardigan. And, and have amazing. an absolute ball. Yeah, just rock oh, it with some leggings. <laughs> I'm a big leggings fan. I need, to, I need to knit some leggings at some point. Cool. All right. Next well, time. Cool. Next time. So uh, moving on to news. Very exciting next month. We'll be at the Unravel Festival. Yeah, in Farnham, which is sort of just outside London. It's like an hour outside of yeah. London. It's a very, very pretty place. And it's in a building called The Maltings, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. Yes, very kind. Of, it's quite cool because it's quite twisty and turny. And quite, oh, I think it used to be an old mill. Am I making that up? Maybe did they do malting there? They is did malting. Mm, yes. They malted things. Malt- <laughs> like Horlicks? Yep. <laughs> That's where Horlicks comes from, isn't it? <laughs> wow, I'd always wondered. Yeah. Um, but Unravel are, of course, our lovely sponsors for this episode of Pomcast, mm-hmm. for which we are, as always, grateful and very excited to be partnered with such a brilliant festival. Yeah. It's always been one of my very favourite UK-based... I mean, I haven't really been to any of the American ones, because they're far away. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> A bit biased in that way, but... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always been one of my faves. Excellent. Yes, yeah, so that's on fr- from Friday the 20th of February to the Sunday the 22nd. Yeah, so it's the first year they've had a Friday. Or it's the first year they've had, like, a a Friday daytime. Yep. Um, So they're having extended opening hours, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. And we'll be there um, both as Pom Pom Stall. Mm -hmm. You can come and try on some of the samples, um, have magazines, maybe some other surprises. I don't know. We will. And we'll have, you know, our exciting um, tote bags and things like that. So, and just come say hi, even if you don't want to do any of the buying. Yep, just come (laughs) say hi. So that all sounds great. But, um... Is there something else that's happening there that's like really kind of new and exciting and maybe revolutionary? I feel they've missed out on um, podcast Q&A sessions. Right, yeah. So like when people who have podcasts maybe kind of host um, talks and ask questions yeah. of, the, of the talker. Yeah, I think that would be a key part to revolutionise this festival. I think so too. Are they maybe doing that? Yeah. Oh, wait! Oh, wait, we're doing Yay! that! Yay! So we're actually very excited, apart from that goofy intro, which might not... <laughs> Translate, <laughs> translate. But we're very excited <laughs> to be ho- um, hosting a Q and A session. So on the Friday, it's um, with now. I'm going to do my best to pronounce this name. It's Anamor Sundbo, I yes. believe, from Norway. From Norway. Um, and on the Sunday, Bristol Ivy, so. who recently designed a wonderful pattern for us um, for the winter issue, mm-hmm. and it's just like an all round ravelry. Um, hot stuff Star. lady yeah, yeah she does a lot of Brooks and Tweed stuff so Animal Sunbow um, is known for kind of working she she, I don't know if she inherited it or she bought like an old um, like Norwegian factory or like textile mill and there yeah. was like a huge pile of um, old knits basically all kind of colour work like very Scandi what you imagine mm. Scandinavian stuff but it was all you know very old and not taking you know it was all just a big rag pile basically and she kind of worked her way through um, and you know looking at the techniques and just kind of preserving and discovering stuff about you know the knitting heritage which is of course 
you know, well-known and very kind of entrenched in the Scandinavian culture. So she's a very interesting character yeah. in that regard. Yeah, good. She's written a lot of books, sort of in- Invisible Threads in Knitting and uh, Satisdale Sweaters, so a lot about the history and the, yeah, all this wonderful heritage and mm-hmm. te- traditional techniques behind knitting. Yeah, so we'll be talking really to Really interesting, her. yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, Bristol Ivy's uh, title is Knitting Outside the Box, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah, well, we're outside the box. We recycled it already, so <laughs> we are glad to not be put into a box again. Mm-hmm. Although, if Bristol said you have to get in a box, I'd probably, you know, I'd be like, okay, you know lots of things I'd, about knitting. I'd knit it and then... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. And, yeah, we'll see, see you guys there. Yeah, hopefully. so hopefully we'll see you there. And... Um, just overall, we're really looking forward to Unraveled being there. And it's an exciting extra bonus that we get to do this awesome um, hosting of the talks. And we hope that you see it as a bonus also, <laughs> that you come <laughs> and listen. <laughs> yeah, great. So for our first review of 2015, we have um, a book by the, I'm going to use this word and I hope I'm using it in the right context, inimitable mm, Pam Allen yes. of Quince & Co fame, um, called Home. Home. And this is... Quinson Co's first sort of printed uh, collection of patterns are all mm-hmm. new. And they are, as the title would suggest, all these lovely cosy knits for the home. Yes. Um, there's a bit at the beginning of the book where Pam's sort of talking about... Um, I say Pam like I know her, but... Yeah, I, Pam. Pam. Pammy. Pam. <laughs> oh, she, oh, God. I really respect her. I can't call her Pam. <laughs> I can't call her Pam. Ms. Pam. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, she's saying how she's like, oh, lovely book about, you know, homes. So she's thinking like throws and rugs and accessories. But then more and more, the, the designs sort of became cosy sweaters and cardigans. Mm. And it's all that idea of like the little rituals of what you wear at home sort of signifies you being in this space that you recognize yeah and it is just filled with gorgeous like big slouchy cardigans and like mm. soft slouchy tees and like yeah. great little like slippers and yeah. nice like throw it's it's gorgeous it's yeah? lovely and i think you know that idea of special things that you just wear at home because obviously there are some things that you just wear at home because they're a bit too tatty or because they're slippers yeah. and you actually can't wear them outside but there are some things that i you know i have a particular jumper that's a nice jumper mm. but it's my home jumper yeah and it makes me like and now I'm at home being cosy. Yeah, that's that's what this book is. Mm. And yeah, I think it's nice. And also the the photography in this book. I mean, Quince & Co, I always love their... Yes, it's a real strong point of yeah, those. They have beautiful, like, airy... This is like a quite Swedish feeling book. It's You know yeah. what I mean? It's quite there's yeah. a lot of like, wood and like soft greys. And, mm. you know, makes me want to live in a house with like no clutter and just maybe like a single pot of flowers. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah and it's funny actually because this... Um, it, there are parallels with the next issue of Pom Pom mm. in some ways, yeah. um, which I won't reveal too much about, but it's coming out in February, of course. So, um, you know, keep an eye on your on RAV and mm-hmm. on the website and things like that. But back to Quince & Co. Mm-hmm. So, Sophie, having um, perused this book, as yep. you have, yes. what would you say are your favourite patterns? Definitely, I love the Maggie cardigan, which is a really, like, you know, oversized cardigan. It's done in Quince & Co. Osprey, mm. which I think the great thing about I think we've talked about this many times before Quince & Co they have this great stitch definition yeah. pure wool and the osprey is um, like a plied chunky wool yes like it's kind of like a heavy iron and mm. it's nice to have the ply of that wool because it is it does make it that little bit more uh, structurally hard wearing yes. you know it doesn't pill mm-hmm. as much and they've done it in a really like soft Iceland colour um, mm. called Iceland and, uh, <laughs> it's like a sort of Icelandic colour yeah 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 <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's kind of reverse stocking stitch with just a little leaf detail in the pockets. Mm. And I think pockets are an essential part of a home comfy jumper. You oh, know definitely. What I mean? yeah. So you can potter around and be like, oh, I'll just put this in here. Oh, but- spare button. I'll save that for later. <laughs> well, anyway, and I'd like to mention another project, Ooh. which is the Bergson socks, mm. um, which have converted my non-slipper wearing 
partner, boyfriend, whatever we're calling him. Man person. Man person. Man friend. Man friend. (laughs) My man friend. Friend man. Who I've tried to, forever tried to convince that slippers are a great way to shift from the outdoor shoe to an indoor non-mess-making footwear. Mm -hmm. And I did show him the book. I think it was pretty much the fact that a guy was wearing them as well in this book. (laughs) This, like, guy and a girl sat reading the papers and was like, oh, look at these nice slipper socks. And he was like, yeah, nice slipper socks. And somehow, boom, converted. Slipper sock time. He he didn't agree with this really gorgeous, what I think is a gorgeous waistcoat in here, but he said it was too, like, V-neck for a gentleman. He's like, oh, the nipples would be exposed. Far too scandalous. But they do have some gorgeous, like, his and hers waistcoats. Yeah. Which, which I'm less like... to, yet to convince him on, but, yeah. You know. I do like a good um, unisex item. I mm. mean, in my mind, all the items are unisex. Yeah. But I like it in particular when um, when the world agrees with me about an item, I guess, <laughs> that it's allowed to be unisex. Cool. <laughs> all right. Well, what are your faves, then? So my favourites are, um, there's a pattern called Paulina. Mm-hmm which is made in the turn, which has a little bit of silk in it, I, I believe. I love that. They have such like gorgeous, dusty colours. I think it's partly because of the silk content. Mm. It kind of makes it that little bit... Changes the way the dye is. Like a vintage muted yes. palette, yeah. Yeah, and they have lovely colours, of course, and it's, yeah, beautiful, kind of quite plump four-ply. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very nice sort of, like, boxy shape top yeah. um, with a V-neck. And just kind of, like, nice and, like, flowy and yeah. drapey, and it's the kind of thing that you'd maybe be wearing at home in a slightly warmer day yeah we haven't had many of those recently no. <laughs> but at some point it might be a bit warmer and you might just want to have you know something on on your shoulders basically and just keeping you warm so i like that a lot mm-hmm. and i also really like the um nelsa slippers which are made in puffin which is the single plied mm-hmm. very chunky yarn um and they're like funny little garter stitch booties and they just look so adorable and as we know i like garter stitch and i like warm feet yep um so there's not much that could go wrong there really <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Definitely, if you're looking for some nice, they're quite. I'd say they're quite good for beginners actually, because it's chunky yarn. They will, if you're thinking of like a big, your first garment, or maybe, or just something like simple. So you know, if you're yeah. happy to have, as we were talking about the flow of simple knits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a good one for this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so check it out. chilly i could do some of those nelson slippers for example yeah well now we have moved into the what's called winter uh yeah we've been looking at for ravelry realness um the warmest things we could find to knit yeah because it's been kind of i mean i know a lot of people who maybe live in places like canada mm-hmm. might be thinking oh it's not that cold yeah and i say to you to me it feels cold it is relative yeah it's very relative we have delicate constitutions here in britain <laughs> we're not good at weather we like to talk about it loads yeah but we don't like it when it's extreme in any possible way. No, I think I was talking to... Why was I talking to someone who come from Canada or Sweden or Norway and they said, I've never been as cold inside as I have in England because mm. all the houses are stupidly insulated with yeah. stupid old houses. Yeah, it's true. Well, my dad's Canadian and when he moved to Britain, and this was in the 80s, so I think things were even worse then in terms of things being warm, he said the same thing. He said he'd never been so cold inside and he kept getting ill. Yeah. Even though, obviously, he'd like... <laughs> You know, lived in Canada his whole life and the snow would be as tall as he was sometimes and things like that. It's like, come to Britain and catch pneumonia by accident because there's no central heating. <laughs> so come here and visit. It's great. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Spokespeople first. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, to the Ravelry realness. Yeah, we did some exciting, fun research looking at the snuggliest, 
coziest things we could find. This was that was actually something I did in, what, in my day job and I was really, really cold in the place I was working. I was like, what's the warmest thing I can find to knit? I think this is what I need to spend my time doing. Yeah. And what I, what I from this extensive research, mm-hmm. uh, was um, this great... So there's a yarn called Burley Spun by uh, Black Brown Sheep? No. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, fif- you'd probably knit that on 10, 15 mils easily. Mm-hmm. 15, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. It's like super chunky, mm-hmm. amazingness. Like, you even pick it up and you kind of feel warm and it's a gorgeous um, that's the thing because sometimes you have big chunky things and then you just end up looking like a blob yes. which is you know I'm down with the blob but mm-hmm. maybe not all the time yeah. um, down with the blob <laughs> I like Who's down it? with the blob it's a fun <laughs> it's a fun new phrase um, my mum did actually knit something once which she was like ooh lovely warm Aaron jumper and knitted it and every time you put it on it becomes bigger and it's like this <laughs> horrible shapeless thing even she admits like how ugly this jumper is. <laughs> but it's great because you feel like I'm cold. I'm like, oh, I'll just go get the biggest jumper in the world. And you put it on, you're like, oh, great. Because it's like polo neck, extra long sleeves, like yeah. cabled ridiculousness. <laughs> anyway. Keeps you warm. Keeps but you that's warm. a good point, though, is sometimes having a... You need a bit of extra space to trap air, don't you? Sometimes oh if something's a bit bigger, it keeps you warm. Anyway. Anyway. So the gorgeousness of this Birdie Spun... Uh, mm. No, it's like a hoodie. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what m- sold it to me because it does have this lovely, like, almost like a pixie hood. It's called mm. The Lyric Tree by Jordan Ellis and she's got a gorgeous cabled feature on the back of mm. a tree. Um, yeah, and there's a little pixie hood. So that's what I'd say for a super warm thing. Yeah, hoods are a- an excellent addition. I mm-hmm. recently bought a dressing gown and my main requirement was for it to have a hood. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I've, I've known those secrets for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Initiated into the world of dressing gowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, another great project, which similarly I found in a quiet lull at uh, work. <laughs> I do actually work very hard. Um, was this amazing knitted onesie. Oh, I love that onesie. And what sells it is the guy in the photographs. So I think this is actually the knitter's dad. He is the happiest guy. He loves his onesie. Well, he just would be, wouldn't you? The he's happiest there, person like, in the world. outside chopping wood. And he's just loving life. Mm. Yeah, he I mean, loves why wouldn't it. wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's totally worth the look. And yeah. everyone knows that onesies are super warm. Oh, yeah, so that's the Union Suit by uh, Megan Grewal. Um, yeah. Mm. I mean, even if you don't feel that you want to knit a onesie, just look at those photos and you kind of feel warm and happy inside because of the happiness of this gentleman. You do, yeah. <laughs> and they do have a little button, butt flop. <laughs> a little bum flap with yes. a button. <laughs> so definitely check that one out. That one's well good. So I found um, one of my faves was the Twiggy Jumper mm-hmm. by Jane Richmond. Okay. As in courses. 60s Twiggy? No. Yeah, I believe I believe it's uh, oh, related. Yes, um, and it's in super bulky yarn and it's got like quite a high kind of funnel neck and it's button up. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because it's like super chunky, super simple and I was just looking, it just looks so lovely and cosy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be one of my picks. Yeah. Sounds like we're recording this in a garret somewhere in a howling wind. Yeah. Like, oh God, if only I could be so warm. If only I could make my own warm clothes. <laughs> um, and then the other one that I thought of was um, the Aubrecia pattern from the most recent pom-pom from oh, pom-pom yeah. 11. Because nice. that's knit in the absolutely lovely Jameson Shetland Heather Aaron, which I highly, highly recommend for many, many reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, but this, and it's an Aaron way, which is, you know, fairly thick, but yeah. not majorly bulky, but because it's colour work, it's all stranded colour work. It's basically a double thickness jumper. Mm-hmm. So it's like really, really warm. And, you know, those strands, they trap the warmth. Nice. Yes. Ready for you. 
So if you feel that all these are far too sophisticated and elegant for your needs, we have nose warmers. Uh, There's one by Jamie Cannon, and these are free patterns, which is good. Uh, Another one, which is, that's crochet. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Nifty Nose Warmer by Spiffy Nifty Rific, (laughs) which is a Rav name. One of the best you've come across. (laughs) So yeah, these are, as you would suggest, like a little tiny triangle nose warmer. Keep your nose warm. Because, you know, noses get cold. Yep. My nose gets cold. Not anymore if you make one of these nose warmers. And it has the added benefit of making you look really cool and sophisticated. (laughs) (laughs) Which we could all do with a little extra. Right? Yep. Mostly. So that was uh, Ravelry Realness. Because Ravelry is what? Fundamental. (laughs) It was real. Yep. (laughs) All right. are lucky enough today to have the fabulous Erica Knight with us as our interviewee. So she has a fantastic quote. I believe it is an inherent human trait to construct fabric in the order to catch, clothe, nurture and decorate. And this says a lot about Erica. She was a fine art student in Brighton um, and went on to launch her own hand-knit label, Malto! Exclamation mark, um, <laughs> which was hugely successful um, she has published more than 20 books on knitting and crocheting, including um, beginner's guides on both, all including her si- simple ethos, um, which is something that's kind of a thread running through this um, podcast in general. Yeah. Um, and she's just launched her own hand-knit yarn label in 2012, supporting British manufacturing. Um, and she's here with us today. So we're going to talk to her about all of these things and more. Enjoy. Hello, Erica. Hi. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> so, question number one, Sophie. We're going to start with a classic question. Uh, you know, it's it's said a lot, but it's a it's a goodie. Uh, so, who taught you to knit, and can you remember the first thing you knitted? Ooh, well. It's, it seems ancient, a long, long time ago now, but I'm a very shallow person, as you'll soon get to realise, because I've gone through every youth culture, I think. Um, but certainly while at art school, during the punk era, was when I really began to knit. I think there was sort of a vague thing of how to knit, but of course and it was very de rigueur to have holes and ladders and put safety pins in there. So um, I had friends in the fashion area of the college and no one knitted and I just sort of constructed textile if you like and um, we shoved them down the catwalk (laughs) to craft work and uh, stuff and it seemed pretty hip at the time and no turning back. There's an opportunity there for craft knitting based bands that we can work at like craft work the actual craft work absolutely yeah (laughs) were you aware of that at the time that seems quite quite clever well at craft at the time that that word wasn't so banded around as it is now it's given i like the word craft actually with a a a big c like couture craft Mm. that's what i like the distinction Although we're night craft with K's, which I think, I love that kitsch value of using the K's. But um, I think craft as a word is great because if you work with wood or metal, 
it's well known that you're an artisan or a craft or, you know, couturiers, um, you know, it's their craft. So we should be proud of that word. And yeah, let's, yeah, let's use the word and see. But it wasn't very punk then, no. No. No, no noose jumpers no, with no. Uh, Vivian or anything. No. <laughs> cool. So you started your knitwear label Molto. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, um, I suppose, again, that was going through another youth culture about sort of 10 years later. But um, there wasn't the option of um, uh, cheaper knitted goods much in the market then, um, where now we're very used to garments being made for the high street in India, Pakistan, Romania, China. Um, and hand knits were very revered and prized, as they should be, when they're lovingly crafted stitch by stitch for those who love and what have you. Um, but so I had like a ready to wear label of hand knits uh, many of us of this age uh, I suppose started that way um, but I literally only started because I'd been working weirdly um, we had been I'd, one of my first jobs out of art school no the world knows that there's not a job waiting for you when you come out of art school but I was um, working in a print factory and we were festooning fabric for Vivian Westwood, who was through her um, Bow Wow Wow phase and everything and I loved the job but my bank manager said, you can't afford to work there anymore. So I fell down, you know, I was sort of knitting and somebody said, oh, I really like that. And it was a sort of a, a new romantic then. I'd gone a bit new romantic and uh, sort of this vest. It became a bit clubby and a bit sort of subversive. And then a sort of really lovely shop I knew said, oh, we'll have half a dozen of those. And so I was knitting madly to make those. And um went and bought some yarn. I didn't know much about yarn then, but it turned out to be carpet yarn. So if you can find some, they are still around. Obviously, I've never worn out those sweater, those sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> They're still around. So um, that led to people asking for more. Um, and we had to get a band of um, cottage industry, if you like, all along the South Coast. And these wonderful, wonderful women and one guy taught me really everything there was that, well, in my repertoire, if you like, for, for knitting and, you know, and you only learn by doing things wrong. And the um, best tip I ever was given was every fault of fashion, i.e. if it goes wrong, learn from it, you know, make it something else. So the ready-made business came out of that. And then we were selling, we had 30 accounts in New York and to Japan and Italy and what have you. So it was more towards the fashion industry than the craft industry. Mm. Then. So now you've kind of progressed through, going through the whole decades of yeah. your, your work More and career. Um, so you've worked with many brands, many designers, you've had your own company, now obviously mm -hmm. you have your own yarn range. What would be the biggest change that you've noticed throughout the years of your working in the industry with knitting? I think now, I think what's fabulous now is that craft is given a real voice, that I'm so excited now of the future of craft because... Um, I always used to say this, like in Italy, I worked many years in Italy um, in the fashion and knitwear industry, but over there fashion is treated seriously. And even at the time when I had my own business, um, the fashion industry was the second largest um, export of this country. But we never like treat it very seriously. Um, and craft, as we've alluded to earlier, it had been seen as a bit 
WY, I'm not no thing about the WY because they've set down amazing ground rules and now they're absolutely fabulous and um, what they do for craft is immense. Um, but it had seen as a bit jumble sale before it became charity stop or, you know, thrift store. Um, it was very low key. Now I am so pleased to say it's here to stay and it is with a big C or a big K <laughs> and it will afford people as a low tech uh, hobby. Um, it can afford, we can all as women or guys, you can be divorced or estranged or be misplaced from your home or what have you, but this simple craft that anybody can learn and do, coupled with a bit of high tech, you can be the next Joe Malone, the next pret you know, and I think it's so liberating and empowering for people. You can control, you don't have to buy things off the high street, you can create your own thing. Um, it satisfies us on so many levels and it's sustain, all that is sustainable and will give um, enjoyment, employment for generations to come. It's here to stay, girls. <laughs> and we're very glad it is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, how would you sum up your brand? So, Erica Knight, with your, you know, your yarns and patterns and books at the moment. And so, how would you sum it up? And and what makes it special? With specifically interested in, you know, the kind of campaign for wool stuff and the kind of British wool that you've been championing. It's um, uh, for me what the yarns I do is um, it's culmination of everything. It's the journey. Everybody's journey. Um, it is a culmination of the journey. I'm, I go through all these complex things and talk too much and what have you, but you always have to come back to the simplicity. Um, I think even the books I've done over the last 12, 15 years, um, I've tried to look at all these intricacies of why we knit and what we knit and, you know, what's the outcome and um, all the little stitch de deviations and everything. Um, but it's always bringing it back to a simplicity um, we were talking earlier about, um, before when we um, were talking about minimalists and complex things, but keeping things simple is, is very good. So I've been doing all these books and then, and I've been designing yarns forever, whether it be for the high street or for fashion brands or indeed for um, well-known um, handnet brands for many years. Um, and I didn't realise, I guess, that I could put something out there. For me personally, it was very important to do keep it homegrown, to keep mm -hmm. it British. One of my first jobs was lay off 2,000 people in the textile industry when um, the high street companies were seeking to go abroad, as we well know, um, to get cheaper products and, as they would say in jargonese, speed of response to the high street. Um, and what's lovely now is to embrace the slow close movement, um, the journey of the sweater, all the things that get wrapped up into that, the love and the gift giving and the, um, the feel of the yarn and the colour and the whole excitement of that. So to actually bring out, well, I've only got four yarns and they're all beautifully crafted again <laughs> and they are British. It's, it's, it's a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy to keep it British. It really isn't. Um, we threw the baby out with the bathwater quite a long time ago. Um, and it's not made in a big, um, dark, black, satanic mill. 
it's made in state-of-the-art mills here. You know, they have the latest technology. So the yarn is beautiful. Um, it's not scritchy-scratchy British yarn that a lot of older generation uh, grew up on. That This is only made for fell walking and no mizzle or drizzle is getting through this sweater. It's beautifully soft and luxurious. We use a massum, um, which roams within 37 miles of the mill. Um, everything is um, sorted and scoured and um, dyed um, within Guy a few miles from Guiseley, where the dye house is. And um, our, the best fleece Britain has is the Blue Face Leicester, um, which is, you know, it's our British cashmere, if you like. And it's beautifully soft. Um, semi-luster so you get this lovely stitch definition to it so I don't produce the cheapest double net but it's the best <laughs> so it's a, it's, a, it's a joy you know just to keep it really simple hone it down everything fit for purpose so that people can really enjoy the journey of knitting nice little uh, addition actually Lydia's wearing some blue face luster so yeah yes. I am I like blue face luster a lot <laughs> so staying with your yarns um want to talk a bit more of the process of the naming the colors because I particularly love Steve and I think it's like a nice kind of classic blue like a quite light blue why Steve <laughs> and the other names? I'd like to say it had something probably a bit more adventurous to it it could have been called Frank um but it was you know uh Steve McQueen is a favourite. Um, what guy, you know, that guy can make an Aaron sweater look fabulous. Mm -hmm. He really can, you know, or a jersey polo shirt. So, you know, and the eyes. So it could have been Paul, it could have been Frank, it could have been, you know. But um, I think colours are very synonymous about our feelings, emotions. So, yeah, code numbers don't do it for me. It's got to be, um, we have Mr. Basim as well, we've added, haven't we? Which is beautiful teal, mm -hmm. which is a very charismatic guy we met in India for Knit for Peace last this time last year. Um, and um, what this guy doesn't know about the craft industry in India and Pakistan is just, oh, it's just not worth it even mentioning you know there's every artisan there and um so mr basim is our uh, our new color that's um tone off uh, steve yeah it's uh, good fun yeah i don't get out much we you know naming naming colors is yeah is an emotive thing it's good good and i always wonder you know if i had to make uh, a specific palette for yarns I think I would find it very difficult to hone down all the colours I like to a kind of cohesive how did you and it's quite a hard thing to explain but how did you do that and how do you because you know you have a very distinctive palette how would you describe it oh I like that question oh do you know and I spend we spend a lot of time doing I suppose I have been very privileged to play with colour all my life um and I worked a lot in um trend forecasting for the fashion industry for, for many, many years. So palettes are very subjective. It can be for a chain store, it can be um, for paint colour, um, what have you. Obviously, the, the paint uh, industry is the first one out in a year, and it's very seasonal, and you have to come up with new colours. Um, so you have to keep it very to your brand. What I do for myself would be very different if I was, um, we were talking about the lovely hobbyist colorist and you can really play with color and we were talking about greens. Most uh, people are scared of color. And what I try to do with it in our palettes is give people confidence in color. Mm. So I've done the work. Mm. I, I try and do the work. So if you go in to a yarn shop, they're like, oh my God, you know, you're bombarded. 
Because we all do that. Oh, my God. You know, it's not only the textures of yarns and stuff you've never seen, but all the colours. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, my God, I can't think about this. Um, but I want to just play and, and do and I'll, I'll have it all. I'll have it all. Just charge it to my card. Um, but so what I like to do is, even with your eyes shut, you can choose three, four, five colours and they'll work together and you'll have that confidence. How do I go about that? Well, you collect and curate continually. Um, we have a, a red, going back to the names, um, we have a yarn called Maxi, which is a, it's a lovely yarn, but the red is a particular red. Um, it's um, sounds very grand. It's um, based on a cashmere jacket I used to do for whistles, mm-hmm. and it's a very kind red. So if you're only going to choose one red, this suits most skin tones. Mm-hmm. So called Marnie because of the Hitchcock film Marnie, where she sees red everywhere mm-hmm. and goes a bit do lally. So um, that's the story of the red. But so it, you could, I think every colour I do has got a story behind it, or and there's certainly a re- there's a reason in my brand why. Anything we do, any yarn, any colour, any texture, any design, there's a reason for it. Mm. So um, you might have mentioned it a bit earlier, but we, you were saying about fashion is... No, was it false is fashion? Um, mm. But the best knitting ad- advice you've se- received, would that fall under it? Or do you think there's... Uh... I think for... Um, I think it was empowering to say, you know, every foot of fashion. However, um, I don't know that I'm a typical Gemini, but I am a perfectionist. Um, so... I think it will strike a chord with a lot of us. You know, some people can... You know you've dropped a stitch. You know you haven't got the repeat there. Some of people will go on regardless, and that's fine. And I think that piece of advice sort of said, you know, just do it, embrace it, go with it. But there's many of us that, no, you have to go back. It has to be perfect. Um, so I fall into both camps. If I'm teaching students, and especially fashion students, no, let's go with it. Let, let's try and re-embroider it. Let's dar- I mean, I love Tom of Holland now, you know. He's just brilliant, you know, with the darning. I love darning. Yeah. I'm absolutely mortified when my mother would darn something for me, you know, in the school playground. But, oh, my God, does he take it to other levels. So, you know, I think embellishing and, and reworking into textile um, is fabulous. So... I found it liberating and a curse. So um, running a business based from your passion or your pastime of knitting, do you still enjoy knitting as a relaxing hobby or is there just too much of a work-life blend? It's always, I mean, it's always a hobby. It's always what you do. It's, um, I again, I've been very lucky to be able to turn it into a business and that's, that's what I love and I'm always going on about people, just do it, put it on Etsy, you know, take it to, you know, a town hall, whatever your route will be, just, um, you know, go with it. I just think it's fantastic, you never know. Um, I want colourists to come into the business, I want people to design yarns, people have a real penchant for that and I want that to, um, uh, you know, come out running a bit yeah it does it does dull things sometimes because you think I really want to do that but I've got to get this done so it becomes your priorities but I did have time this week to make our three-legged chihuahua a little dog coat (laughs) while watching Broadchurch if that's allowed to say (laughs) got to have some go-to knitting did it within the hour (laughs) so it's a bit of fun got to have a bit of fun I do think you know we talk about three a day but I do think you need a five day as far as knitwork's concerned don't you 
you need your project mm. you need to have your project and that project you you need to have um, a complex project you know you're knitting sudoku you need to have um, a really easy one you know the next episode of Broadchurch or, or next podcast, you know, um, thing that you can do. You have got something on for yourself, but you know that's going to take a back seat while you do something for a friend and then a charity net. So it's a five a day. Um, okay, so the next question is one we ask everyone. And it's, uh, it's a short and sweet question, <laughs> and it is, what is your spirit animal? I thought at first what it might be a majestic sort of polar bear. Um, you know, sort of obviously cold weather and being um, sort of woolly inside. And but then I thought they they sort of eat people, and I'm not, I'm not sort of aggressive or whatever. And sometimes cat-like can be. Am I manipulative? But you know what cats are like. They do their own thing, and I'm not fiercely independent. I need people around me. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's a poodle. I think they're always sort of. They're little poodles. Um, they, I had a little poodle up until a few weeks ago, and he was my knitted. He he just looked knitted, <laughs> and he was a, a good friend, and very loyal. And I think yeah, that's my sort of spirit. Um, I think poodles. I like the fifties. I like I. You know, I was born obviously in the late fifties, and I think the it was synonymous of that time. It was a little bit of cachet, and but he looks knitted so. I keep coming back to the old poodle thing, you know. I was going to say, poodles are one of the most intelligent dogs, so... I was going to say that, Sophie, but I probably <laughs> had the misfortune to have the dopiest. <laughs> and I wouldn't... I'd like to allude to being that intelligent, but sadly not. No, the... Um, I don't know. I think it's the Alsatian, maybe, but... Uh, but the poodles are very quirky, and they are knitted, and um, they... Um, they represent a certain fashion element too. So I think it encompassed... And I do think I'm probably more of a fashion knitter. I love fashion and mm. the but textile. I could never really um, reconcile that within myself. I like to do whole outfits. I'd, I'd love the opportunity to do whole outfits again as well. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. I love it, yeah. yeah. I, I'm seeing it now, the poodle. I think it's classic, yeah. <laughs> His little poofy tail. We have a three-legged chihuahua at the moment, as I said, who's a little rescue, but she's such a diva. But as I said, she's now got sporting quite a lot of um, little furry coats and collars. And, um, yeah, we have we have done a little range for her. <laughs> quite right, too. Yeah, quite she needs an outfit. <laughs> so uh, another one of our classic questions is, uh, imagine yourself cast upon a desert isle and uh, you can only take one yarn with you to be your your only source of yarn, uh, we ask you, what would that be? Well, I don't think I'd actually take one. I would actually build one from what's around on the island. Um, And that, for me, would be... There would be bits from scavenging on the beach that had been uh, maybe some ropes from pots that had been washed ashore. There would be bits from leaves that had dried out and knot them together as a continuous thread. Because the beauty about yarn is, and two needles, which is two sticks. And I love the fact it's so low text, two sticks and this continuous thread that you can create from anything that is on that island is that you can create a textile. Mm. So you can um, you can create shelter. You can create something to fish with, a net, um, or to trap a bird. So, you know, yarn is the perfect go-to. I'm always amazed on Desert Islanders where they don't say I'd take yarn because 
It's a lifesaver, as we know. It is a saving of life, knitting. It is. It Thank is you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you this amazing like jungle look then with oh, all these like tweed, you know, reeds. Bit of camo and, in yeah, there, yeah. you know. <laughs> bit of crochet. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. <laughs> Actually, I was going to ask because um, obviously we asked you about how you kind of got started doing knitting, but what about crochet? Did that start at a similar time or? I that- think crochet. Um, there always seems to be two camps. People who knit say, oh, don't cross, go into the dark side, you know, crochet. And then crocheters, you know, especially on some of the Ravelry things, oh, goodness, back off here. Um, crochet, I'm a very basic crocheter. Mm. The book, books I've done are, are really about basic crochet. Mm-hmm. Um, did it come about the same time? No, probably later. Mm. Um, I think people have tried to teach me to crochet. Um earlier and really never I like it because it's a firm fabric I like it because it's sort of knobbly um if you do DCs or um and there's things that you can do with crochet that you can't really do with knitting mm-hmm. um and again going back to the sustainability of the island or whatever um you can knit with you can crochet with anything um parcel string was a favorite I thought I would keep the wonderful Woolworths in work you know or post offices mm-hmm. I've consumed so much parcel string um, sizal is fantastic um, leather you can make it very refined you know and I would say from string to cashmere you know with crochet yeah. um, when I'm crocheting I want to be knitting and when I'm knitting I want to be crocheting but again that's just me with that sort of uh, perversity yeah. I think they go together really well though I think they can be combined in very clever ways and that's Kind of the nice thing about being able to do both of them, even though not everyone can, I know, but I would recommend it. I, I, agree with, I agree with you. I think to books, um, and I um, have done crochet books and knitting books, I think we have to learn to say what we want and just go out there and do it for ourselves because publishers will tell you, oh, you can't put crochet in into a knitting book or vice versa. Mm. Um, and that's why that's why we care that but we all know we can multi you know we are multi-skilled multi-function and we can we can do both yeah and it's really exciting if you combine both crochet is lovely because it's very sculptural that's what I quite like I'd Mm -hmm. love to I'd love the opportunity to do some installation Mm -hmm. with um, knit and crochet I love space I I studied fine art you know and um and when you can walk into a room and you think how can we work this space it's beautiful and putting it in with yarn like spiders webs I've got this big spider out Inside my kitchen at the moment, and he's—I don't know if it's he or she—but he's got really fat, and he's um, spun this amazing intricate web. And I can't, you know, tend the window boxes or anything because it, you know it would destroy him. But it is amazing how you can—the knitting um, or crochet is so um, sculptural. Yeah. Certainly, there's a fabulous designer called Sabrina Goshwanda mm-hmm. you might be familiar with, and she's just taken it to another art form. Mm. And uh, yeah, you can weave it into all your home spaces. And I'm just surprised we don't build houses out of it's soft engineering, uh, particularly crochet. I, I, I think it would be really interesting to get architects to um, work crochet. Mm. Yeah. They would combine really nice structures for us and pods and yeah. things. It's true, crochet does have a much more structural... Mm. Yeah, organic, I feel. Mm. You just build up on top of it. It's lovely mm. to work yeah. with. Yeah. And there's, but there's quite a lot of languages where there's only one word for both and they don't really make a distinction. Like, I think, is Japanese a good example, maybe? 
Um, and I know that in Spanish they have one word that basically means to make fabric and then you specify with the implements you're using. So it's like with two needles or with a hook or like weaving. So that's quite liberating. Yeah. You know, I think we get bogged down a bit about... We do get bogged down about technique. Mm. Um, and there's one observation I have made, going back to a question maybe, Sophie, that um, one thing I've noticed on a personal thing of the journey of knitting is that you refine all your techniques, you know, like tips, you know, and you refine how to do something. And somehow along the journey, although you enhance your knitting or the finish, I can make you a hand-knitted garment that looks absolutely shop-bought if that's what you want. But you lose something of mm. that, the patina of the hand within it. And I can't get it back it's gone mm. because I instinctively always do my fashioning within three stitches inside. You get a lovely curve to that. But something has gone from the early new romantic days or the punk days of just getting going of a in, over, under, off, making a series of stitches, making a, to make a row, making a series of rows and seeing how, where it goes. And um, I think sometimes we should just have a go and uh, whether it's one hook or two or yeah. circular or, or try them all and just um and who why should it just be one back front and front and you know two sleeves why not you know embrace that and asymmetrics mm. and uh, th th that's what's lovely about constructing textile yeah you know and we all have a different view on that and that's what makes it endlessly fascinating endlessly fascinating so yeah, okay, well, that was lovely. Thank you so much, Erica. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, moving on to Colour of the Cast, our factoid-filled section, all about a colour. This podcast's colour is... White! Yes, so, wow, you sounded quite excited about that. White! Snow white! Um, yeah. Like the snow that's not happening right now yes. in London. But it's, you know, the idea with white for this podcast, it's kind of like a, a new fresh start for yeah. the new year. A blank slate, if you will. Yes. Well, those slates aren't white. Well, mm, okay. okay. So, white comes from the Indo-European ute of quite, meaning to shine. Hey. And uh, in English, it always gives us the word wheat. So uh, wheat is derived like from white. Exactly, the from the white right. flour it produces. Exactly. Mm. So it's also one of the oldest surnames in English. Huh. It's recorded in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles before uh, AD 900. 900 AD. Holy smokes. Yeah. That's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. So other fun, um, well-known white things include polar bears. Oh, but are they actually white? Yes, they look white. Well, here's the thing. Polar bears' hairs are actually translucent. What? So much like white. snow. Yes, <laughs> get ready to be blown away. Okay. Um, so white snow. Mm -hmm. We see, obviously see snow as white. Um, but it's actually made up of ice. If you look at ice, it's actually see-through. Yes. Which is what the, you know, the, the snow crystals are. So what we call white, this is getting all physics-y. You ready? I love physics. Okay, great. Well, you good let's get physical um, let's get physical <laughs> physical <laughs> mm -hmm. so what we call white is actually just the frequency of light that stimulates all sets of color sensitive cones in our retinas mm. so it's all equally so if you think of a prism of light like mm -hmm. Isaac Newton mm. he was he was pretty hot on all this um so the white light shines through and obviously it splits up into the rainbow 
So if you think of that in reverse, all the light's coming in equally mm. to make white light. Yes. Which is why, so the snow is um, just the most like even frequency. So it's just all the colours of light coming into our eyes. Oh. So it and polar bears are the same? Yeah, so exactly. Oh. So polar bears, all the hairs are translucent individually. Yes. But grouped together, they literally just bounce the back, like, back into our eyes completely equally. So it makes it appear white. Interesting. Now, mm-hmm. this is, you know, like um, those fun, like, fibre optic things that have, like, see-through cable, yeah, like, yeah, little yeah. things, and then you shine lights in them. Yeah. Could you make a polar bear look like that? <laughs> if only. All right, that's our next project. It's a side project. Rainbow polar bear! Rainbow polar bear. Cool. Here's a fun fact relating to eyes ah. and the whites of your eyes. Indeed. Mm. So the whites, like the non-iris and pupil section mm-hmm. of most vertebrates, are dark. So if you think about your pet dog, mm-hmm. maybe... Um, so they're dark, which always conceals... About my You're always thinking about I love, the dark. I love her. <laughs> um, so, you know, they have dark whites of eyes, so yeah. to speak, um, which conceals the direction of their gaze. You yeah. know, it's harder to see which direction they're looking sure, in. Sure, yeah, it is. Yeah. With dogs, they've got little eyebrows, which tell you, but not all the animals have that. <laughs> um, so the whites of our eyes allow you to... Um, see where someone's looking? Yes, think, exactly. Yeah. You can look... I can see that you're looking at me right now, mm-hmm. for example, and you yeah. can see that I'm not looking at you. How rude. <laughs> I'm a horribly rude person. Um... And, and this helps to convey emotion. Yeah, because we're much more social creatures, aren't we? Sort of yeah. like gauge from people's expressions what they're exactly. thinking. Exactly, so this or... is very interesting. Yeah. And um, so it turns out also that the lateral rectus eye muscle that moves the eye around was labelled amatoris by early anatomists because lovers use it to flirt. Oh, well, <laughs> I can see from your eyes. Flirting. Yeah. <laughs> I remember um, being on a long bus ride with a friend of mine when I was a teenager and we had a copy of... Maybe Cosmo or some some similar. J seventeen, yeah. probably yeah, something like that. And it was like how to flirt. It was like look at somebody, then look away, then look down, then flutter your eyelashes. And we just like kept doing like really exaggerated flirting with us with each other for the whole journey. And I think we alienated every single other person oh. on the bus. So pretty and much we kept the opposite. <laughs> and then looking at each other and like really like looking and looking down. And it was exciting. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So um, originally. Scientists, we're sticking, sticking our scientist theme here. Mm. Originally, they wore beige coats, but then in the light, late 19th century, medical professionals chose white ones. The colour of the white was chosen because of the idea of hopes and expectations of healing and recovery that the physicians would bring. Really? I don't know how much salt I'm meant to take with this. Maybe a pinch of. Yeah. But that sounds quite a nice idea. It does sound nice. I heard that the, the you know, because I think people used to even wear black doctor's oh. coats, I think, at some point, but then they realised when they learned about germs and dirt... Yeah, they thought mm, it's quite good to be able to see if something's dirty, so maybe <laughs> we'll have something a bit lighter so that we can see if it's dirty. But maybe then they moved to beige, and then they thought, no, this isn't hopeful enough. Should we get white coats because we are scientists of knit? Yes, we will. Yeah, all right, cool. We'll knit ourselves white there science we coats, go. There we go. and they will be beautiful. Do you like knitting with white yarn? Because I'm, I, I don't think I've ever had. I mean, pure white yarn. I think no, no. But like natural pale, ah. almost creamy, you know, sort of sheepy colour. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Schillister have one called Fleece Cloud, which is their yeah. neutral, which I have a lot of. And in fact, the first cardigan I ever designed, the Netherton, Classic, um, yeah. is knit in that yarn. Mm-hmm. And I like that yarn very much. Mm. Um, I don't think that might be the only neutral I've used. <laughs> Just all about the colour, aren't we? Every yeah. spectrum colour, get in there. Although I would like, you know, the, the possibility of um, a white skein that you could dye. Oh. It's something that I think That's exciting, yeah. we can all meditate on. Yep. All right. Well, and we shall. <laughs> We're running out of colours, actually, so um, you might have noticed. I don't know if you've been marking them off on your colour charts <laughs> yeah. while you've been listening. 
but we'll be having a new feature coming up soon. Yeah, so uh, listen to this space. So, as it is a new year, you know, we might be a few weeks in, but it's still fairly new. It's just, I don't think it's even learnt to walk yet. (laughs) It's still sort of crawling around. Um, So, we've asked you guys on our Ravelry group for your New Year's resolutions, or as we like to call them... Nitolutions. Yes. Which initially isn't a word that rolls off the tongue, but... But, you know, you get there. Yeah. And it's one of the things I've learnt in this new year. So... um... (laughs) Um, so thank you so much for everyone who sent us your nitolutions. Yeah. There were quite a few common themes, yeah. I think we can say. So, yeah, using up stash was a good one. So mm-hmm. we had um, Rav users like No Butterfly and Sub Polka who want to use up more of their stash. Yeah, which I think many people can relate to. Yeah. What do you think about this new cold sheep thing that a lot of people are doing on Ravelry? Have you heard about that? I don't think I have. Oh, okay. So it's the idea that you just use from stash and people are not... Oh, like going cold turkey, but you go cold go, go, it's, very, it's very clever, isn't it? What do oh, you think? very clever. I will not partake, but I appreciate <laughs> the sentiment. I think, you know, at some point I'll probably will get to a point where I'll just have to do that. Mm. Either get much, much faster at knitting and have way more time for it, or, you know, because you just don't want to, like, open your cupboard of yarn one day and all the wool f- fall on you and you die... <laughs> that's an extreme thing. I know there has been controversy about it, but I don't think that's one of the things that people have been picked up on. All right. Um, I think there has been people saying, you know, it's don't, you know, it's kind of not great for independent dyers if people are just like, no, I'm not going to buy anything. But everything in moderation. Everyone's always going to be. Everyone's going to always going to need yarn, isn't that? There will always yeah. be beautiful yarn, and there's always going to be new people who've just learnt to make stuff there who can go. buy things, and they don't have a stash yet. Yeah. Well, very interesting. Well, a lot of people have been saying, with you know. In the spirit of, you know, you stash, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to be knitting. Um, one of the nice things, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but it's Kla H. Or like C-L-A-H. H. She said one of her new solutions is to knit for others more. Which is a lovely idea, is, yeah. Yeah, and I can, like, yeah, I can sympathise with that a lot because I really like making things for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something nice about it, so good for you. Um, another Kilter Craft, who's often on our rap page. Mm-hmm. Hi to everyone, by the way. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. Um, I like hers. She wanted to uh, expand her palette range. Yeah, which I think is... Yeah, she said she'd looked at um, Serenia's book, which we reviewed, um, mm-hmm. the Magpies, Home Bodies and Nomads. Very good, In yes. maybe that order. Yeah. Um, yeah, and she said that had inspired her to, you know, yeah, expand her range of colours that she uses, which I think, yeah. And if people want inspiration, they just listen to all the past colours of the cast yeah exactly yeah we'll make a compilation yeah (laughs) (laughs) and so as well as knitting other people Mm -hmm. are talking about other techniques so um nick dc Mm -hmm. yeah maybe she's in dc um (laughs) she wants to try spinning Ooh, so that'd be good i'm actually going to a spinning class next month (gasps) that's Uh, exciting people have kept making jokes about me wearing lycra and making sure i have the bike and i'm like no it's not that kind of spinning (laughs) yeah that was way less fun yeah i don't want to do that god no (laughs) um so also we have Jo Miel, who um, said that she wanted to continue her hexapuff making on her commute. I think that's nice, just having a excellent. project just for your commute. I knew yeah. someone who could, you know, do two granny squares in their commute, and that was their aim. Yeah, no, and that's awesome. And we have the lovely two-ply, who um, I think we can all sympathise with, and maybe all achieve this goal. I think it's a really um, egalitarian one, um, is to just do knitting. Yeah. Because it's true that, you know... I mean, I feel like I don't do as much knitting as I want to. And it seems that she also feels that way. Um, Yeah, so just do some knitting. (laughs) 
So thanks for the inspiration. Yeah, yeah. thanks guys. It's so lovely to hear from you. And um, we hope in the future to be hearing from you all again, from yeah. y'all, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. So what are your, you, you feel inspired, do you, from these revolutions? I do always feel inspired from... I said revolutions. <laughs> revolutions in knitting. <laughs> it's always inspiring to hear from the lovely people who listen to the podcast. So yeah. yes. So what are your, are your knitolutions? So my top three knitolutions are in third place. Mm-hmm. Um... To get better at colour work. Ah. Because I can do colour work mm -hmm. and it's always fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm quite slow at it because I um, I, use, I have one, of, you know, I hold a colour in each hand. Yeah. So in my left hand, which is where I normally hold yarn because I knit continental style, it's amazing, like pew, 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 really fast. And then in the other hand, it's like really slow and I'm really bad at it. I need to learn how to tension my yarn properly mm -hmm. in my right hand. Okay. So that's like my goal. And then that way, because I, I mean, I could hold both strands in my left hand but because of boring things that I won't go into about the way I hold needles in yarn it's quite tricky so I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to knit English Good. style basically yeah, in yeah. order to do that so I'm excited about that this is the year 2015 the year of colour work Hooray. um at number two this is a common one I'm just gonna put it in here anyway I'm gonna use some more of my stash I like it yeah I and think I'm, we can all try it yeah. yeah and I think you know I'm not gonna necessarily stop um acquiring yarn Mm -hmm. But um, especially if we're going to unravel next month, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's no way I'm not going to come home with something nice. Um, but you know, I have things that I probably bought from the first unravel I ever <laughs> went to that are still there. So um, I think I just need to earmark them with the with particular projects, and especially just get a bit better at um, maybe using Ravelry to my advantage that way. Mm, you know, yeah. maybe cataloging my stash there. Oh, That's yeah. a good plan. Yeah, yeah. And last of all, the top the top of the three, mm -hmm. also known as one. Yeah. Um, I want to make more jumpers. Good. More garments. Yeah. Specifically, because I could make cardigans. Because yeah. I think I don't have as many knitted jumpers and or cardigans as I would like. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think it's a bit of a gap. I don't often buy stash yarn in sweater quantities. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'm going to just make more of an effort to create larger items of knitwear. Inspiring. Yeah. Yes. Good. How about you? Well, um, very similar but I'd like to, for number three, I want to use all my scraps and make a big blanket. Oh, that's a good idea. I keep thinking about, is this blanket going to look really, like, crazy and scrappy? But then I think that's the beauty of a scrap blanket. Yeah. yeah. And I think, like, if you have enough scraps, like, mm. by sheer kind of, like, volume of different colours, things start to look really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I think also, as I was looking at a lot of them that have... You have a consistent border to just join all the things. So I was thinking, yes. like, do I do everything regular sized? Or do I just kind of keep crocheting or something with one big square? Yes. To make, like, a really weird mm. patchworky thing. So I'm going to be playing with that mm. a little bit. Also been looking at nice pom-pom projects because um, there's, like, a cool pom-pom rug you can do. Oh, yes. Things like that. We love pom-poms. We do love pom-poms. So, I like yeah. it. Yes, Number good. two, mm -hmm. I put myself at a very precise resolution, which oh, is I'm going to knit at least four... Jumper slash cardigans. <gasps> Can I have that as well? Can I have at least four? Okay, yeah. That's, yes. We're going to have to keep on track because I thought... One I could, per quarter. Here's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I can have like my wintry cardigan, mm. my springy cardigan. Mm. Can you see where I'm going with this? My summer cardigan. I think cardigan. I'm going to have a summer cardigan. <laughs> Are you going to have an autumn one? Oh, my autumn oh, cardigan, oh my yeah. So I thought that's not unreasonable because then I do I do like doing a lot of little projects, but yeah. then there's a saturation points on hats. Is that Exactly. I know, well, not. I feel for me there is. That's the problem is I already have at least three hats. Yeah. Of my own in varying colours and styles. And I just think, 
No more well, hats for me. But uh, jumpers, I could have infinite. Yeah. So there we go. That's I'm like putting myself like that. We'll see how it goes. If it doesn't work out, then then uh, you won't be allowed to hang out with me anymore. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to like motivate each other loads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. yeah. If you guys have any like jumper knitting, like motivational jumper knitting yeah. uh, strategies. Think, yeah, knitting for someone else obviously really powered me on. So I think I've just made myself like, where's my jumper? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just record Joe being like, oh, can I come on, knit the thing, and then just play that to yourself and pretend it's for him. And then yeah. It's for you. Hooray. Cool. So what's number one? Number one is use Ravelry to its full potential. Yes. Because I think even though I kind of post on the sites and stuff, and I look through, you know, my favorites and stuff, I think I haven't tapped into how amazing Ravelry is. Like the yeah. search functions and like all the feed stuff you can do, and like so much more like organizing of like photos and stuff that yes. I need to take advantage exactly. of. Yeah. Like I was saying, so like you can put your things in stash yeah. and then look at the things that you've queued and see, you know, yeah. cause my stash doesn't all live in one place even. There you go. So, so yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, using it to full potential, which means like taking photos of my stuff properly. And like, I never, I sort of knit something at the end. I'm like, Oh, and here's a photo. But I tried to like start cataloging, like, mm. Oh, did this found this needle size work better. Here's the top tip from there. Because, you know, I love reading... That's the thing. I love reading other people's notes about their own projects. Yeah. And, you know, you get so many, like, good uh, tips and information exactly. from that. Yeah. Yeah. Contribute more to the hive mind. Hive mind. That's a great one. Yes. Yes. Can yes. we have a podcast called Hive Mind? <laughs> it sounds a bit like High Five as well, so it's kind of fun. Hive Mind. Hi- <laughs> so cool. Yeah. I think, well, we've got a shining 2015 ahead of us with all these plans. Yeah. It's going to be super knitting and crocheting. Yeah. And spinning related. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even dyeing? No, not yet. Soon. Soon. I would love to learn to dye things one day. There we go. All right, well, I think we've got enough to get going we've with. We've got enough to be getting on with for now. Um, so it just remains to say a big thank you. Yeah, we hope to hear more from you guys. Um, yeah, and we, again, sincerely hope that your 2015 is off to a flying start. Um, and that all your knitting dreams will come true. And... Thanks again for listening, and thanks again to Erica Knight. Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, to Eli Block, the whole podcast gang. And so most importantly, you guys. Yes, of course. We love you. We love you, and we'll be back next month. All right, take care. Bye! Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott, with lots of help from Eli Block, who created the original music for the show. For more real eye related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Lots of thanks to Megan Fernandez, the co-founder and editor of Pom Pom, and to our interviewee, Erica Knight. Thank you again for Unravel for sponsoring this podcast, and of course we'd like to say a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers, and lovely listeners. Send any feedback or suggestions to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to join our thread on the Pom Pom Ravelry group. <laughs> <laughs>